Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, and welcome to Concussion Talk Podcast. My name is Nick Mercer, and I write Concussion Talk blog, www concussiontalk.com It is a blog about my brain injury, my rehab, recovery, and life since. I can be found on Facebook by searching Concussion Talk, on Twitter at Concussion Talk, and now on Instagram Concussion Talk. I have also written an ebook called Detour, a link to which can be found on the right side of any of my Concussion Talk pages. It is about my 2002 bike trip across Canada and my brain injury the following year, in 2003. This is my sixth podcast, and in it I'll be talking to Lauren and Samantha of Concussion Connection, www.concussionconnection.com. Their goal with their website is to increase education and awareness around concussions in sports. Okay, I'm on the phone with Lauren and Samantha of Concussion Connection, and I will ask them a few questions about their concussion, their sites, their website, their concussions, and uh, so I'll start off asking either of you, both of you. So I guess Samantha, you can start. How was your? How, when did when did you get concussion? How did you get it? And mm-hmm. what what's like what's uh, in sports? Obviously, so what sport are you playing? Yeah, um, I was playing uh, college soccer at the University of Miami in Florida, Um, and it was my junior year. It was 2008, our spring season, when I had my first two. They were about a week apart, and um, I never returned after those two, Um, and they were in practice. We were doing one-on-one kind of – the first one was one-on-one competition, and I was elbowed in my – left temple. And then the next week I was blocking a shot and, um, it also hit me on the left side of my face. So I was down and out for a while. I tried to come back too early. Um, and then coach and I decided probably a better idea for me to not play. Um, well, doctor said I can't play the next year. Coach and I decided it'd probably be better for me to do career ending injury. So I recovered from those. Um, I had a couple of other incidences along the way that complicated things, but, uh, where I had a vertigo and, you know, some inner ear damage stuff and, um, nystagmus and whatever. So that took a couple years to kind of come out of. And then I, um, 
let's see, three years ago now, I had my last one in 2012, a month before I went to school when I was rear-ended by a semi. So, um, yeah, that was fun. So, (laughs) not fun, but, uh, but yeah, so that, um, kind of, I was down and out for about a year before I started to kind of come around and have like, um, some good treatment and stuff that was helpful. So, um, I still deal with, I have, um, developed a tremor. So I, I shake a lot, especially in my hands. Um, and I have a really, really okay. difficult when, when you're, when you're doing an activity or when you're just sitting there or All, everything. Okay. Um, it's, it's mostly action. So like if I'm, I talk a lot with my hands though, so it's hard to tell because I shake when I do that. Um, but if I'm just sitting, I can shake if, and it's really difficult for me to write any kind of like fine motor stuff. I have to write really, really slow. Um, for it to be legible. Otherwise it's just not even worth it. <laughs> so, um, I have vision, some vision stuff, but I'm to the point now where I feel like I'm, I'm good to go with that. I don't, okay. you know, it, it's yeah. annoying, but it's yeah. not like I just have other things that I need to do. So yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. And uh, I guess yeah. uh, Lauren, it's your turn. To toss well, out. my story, yeah, my, yeah. my story begins at probably the age of seven. Um, when I had my first concussion, but it was not soccer related. I thought I would be a cool kid and get on a bike. I've never been on before and ride a 10 speed bike and not know how to, um, so I, I got on that and, uh, started riding around wherever we lived and, um, realized I need to stop and I have no idea how to stop. So instead of going for a busy intersection, I decided to go for a brick wall. So I hit the brick wall at a seven and that was probably the first non-soccer related concussion. Um, but for the most part, I mean, if we averaged them out, I would say I had a concussion throughout my career, probably every couple of years, um, uh, over that 14 year career. Um, uh, there are probably a handful of concussions though, that I can vividly recall, um, that were not diagnosed at the time. And I won't get into that cause it's like a six hour story. Um, but the last one that I had that actually ended my career, uh, was ironically about eight years ago to the day. Um, around October 13th, 14th, I believe. Um, and that was the only one that was ever actually diagnosed, meaning someone had actually seen me in the medical, in the athletic training room, said, these are your symptoms. This is what you're experiencing. And this is what we're going to call a concussion. And at the time, a grade two concussion. Um, I didn't really know what that meant. They said, well, you just need to, you know, go sit in a dark room and we're going to have somebody wake you up every two hours and, and, Yeah. So there's a section of time that I still don't really recall what happened after that concussion. Um, for the most part, I mean, I would say I kind of was a vegetable for about two, two and a half weeks or so before, um, we started any kind of a return to play protocol. Um, so I went through that return to play protocol and the only symptom that I complained about was pressure in my head. And that was the final decision of, okay, well, she's not that bad. So we're going to release her to play. Um, so I was allowed to return to play and the next game. I did what I always do. I went up for a header and, uh, did not exactly feel quite right. Um, but I didn't say anything. So, uh, kind of effectively at that point, as the season wound down, I pretty much ruined any kind of future aspirations I had of going on and playing semi-pro, which is what that was at the time or what was around at the time. Okay. Um, and yeah, so it's been about eight years and 
Uh, still deal with uh, a lot of chronic migraines that I'm going through a different treatment program with now that hopefully we can kind of get those contained. Um, and then a lot of uh, psychological issues I still deal with, a lot of depression, anxiety, um, lose my train of thought a lot. I have difficulty with word finding. You know, unfortunately, the common things that you hear about um, with the long-term effects of concussions. Do you, so. find, do you find that fatigue increases those symptoms or, or is it? Yeah, it does. Really? I mean, it, it's, it's a factor. I mean, if I'm having a real, you know, busy day or there's a lot going around, a lot going on around me, like an overstimulated environment, um, that will wear me down faster than I think it does most people. Um, one of the things that we've discovered that I have is the inability to filter out noise um, so everything is at one volume and that can be obviously very overwhelming if you're in a public place. Um, so that gets me extremely tired very quickly. Uh, and that obviously will increase the, uh, opportunity to have a migraine and, you know, all those other things that you hear about. So it's definitely a factor. Oh, geez. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I guess this next question is kind of geared towards both you and I'll decide how to discuss it. But, um, so, I mean, you guys went, Lauren, you're in Oklahoma, and Samantha, you're in Ohio. Is that right? Yep. Yep. That is correct. So, so and you guys didn't, went to different universities and played soccer in different, different places. But how did you, how did, so how did you meet then? How did you, why did you start this website? And, and uh, I think, Samantha, you're probably the one to ask about this. I was told. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, unless you want to make this podcast really long, Lauren. Do you, <laughs> um, well, I'll take I'll take the blame for this one. Um, so <laughs> the last concussion that I had when I was rear-ended by the semi um, in 2012. I was struggling with stuff for about a month or so, and I really was like, forget this. Like, I did this by myself last time. I'm not doing it again by myself. I'm going to figure out, like, I'm going to connect with someone who understands what's happening for me. Um, and so I got on the Internet, and I came across Lauren's blog at the time called Life After the Game. And I read her story, and I was like, uh, hey, we're twins. Yeah. So I messaged her and was like, hey, you know, kind of talked about it. Um, and then just from there, we started blogging together on Life After the Game. And then after about a year, you know, we had a discussion around, you know, is this helpful for our recovery to kind of keep talking about what's going on with us? Um, and maybe it'd be helpful for other people to share their stories as well. Um, and maybe connect with each other without the emphasis being on us. And so that's when we kind of transition into concussion connection with the intent of, you know, keeping the athlete first, talking about mental health issues that develop oftentimes after concussions, um, and kind of disseminating, um, research and information to the public that, um, is, you know, not filtered through the media. So, <laughs> Nice. Lauren, anything to add? Uh, I do not. I mean, kind of just to, well, I mean, to kind of. So, yes. Yeah. So, I don't, but yes. Um, I was just going to talk about the blog that, you know, I like to tell people that was not, I don't have any idea still to this day uh, what kind of possessed me to start a blog. Um, I moved back home from Kansas City in 2009. Um, and it was around early 2010 when my parents kind of became concerned that I kept complaining of these migraine headaches and that they would totally incapacitate me. Um, you know, I'd have to be in a dark room for hours and would just be totally miserable. And so naturally as parents, they became very concerned. 
So in early 2010, we started this whole process of trying to figure out what exactly is wrong with me and how damaged is my brain. Um, and so it was around 2011, uh, late 2011, uh, 2012 or so. Um, no, it was 2012. Is that one? That's right. Okay. 2012. Um, I just randomly started a blog and started to dive into kind of really what, what is this concussion word and how many have I actually had? And so, you know, that's kind of what started that. So still to this day, I have no idea what possessed me to write the blog. But uh, as they say, the the rest is history. So. Yeah, blogs are, I, I like them. They work for me. And uh, <laughs> so uh, I have a year. I was just see. So your target audience is our athletes or any particular people people are going for, but they're, who you're targeting with your website. Yeah, I would say athletes um, for sure, um, and you know anyone in the athlete's life, right? So um, I think having everybody on the same page is helpful. And I know people outside of you know sports get concussions, but I think one thing that Lauren and I often talk about, and other athletes that I've spoken with, and you know Lauren shares is a similar experience. Is you know once you say you're an athlete, there's kind of an understanding of like, okay, you get things about me that I can't really explain to other people. Yeah. Um, and an experience that I've had that you've probably had something similar to. Um, and then on top of that, I have a concussion, which is also something that you can't really explain your experience, yeah. you know? So there's two points of like understanding there. So it's at least layered. Got it. Yeah. So actually, I was going to ask you, ask you about your share your story guide or share your story feature of your website. And the guide I think is, I looked over it. There's a in-depth, well, not in-depth, but it's a, it's a the guide you've obviously thought about. So, what was your, what was your uh, your your thinking behind your thinking behind that your intention for the sugar story? Mm-hmm. When did you, when did you start that, and why? Basically, the the whole concept of share your story actually came out of how Sam and I met. Oh. Um, you know, we here I am telling my story in a blog, and then I hear from Sam, and she's telling this identical story, and instantly there's that connection. Um, where, I mean, to be fair to say that if Sam and I were, you know, two people in Ohio, we'd probably never even really be friends if yeah. it comes down to it. We just wouldn't. Uh, but, but you add the, That's true. You add, you add the concussion and then the athlete in there, and then there's that kind of that connection for life. And um, as we started kind of in the early stages of typing out our own stories through the Life After the Game blog, we started getting people that are like, oh, my gosh, thank you for sharing your story. I've had this experience or I'm this athlete and, you know, so on and so forth. And so we started to realize that, you know, we're probably not the only two former soccer players out there that have connected in this way. Um, and so the idea was to create that platform for other people to share their story and also provide the comment box at the end. So anybody who reads the story can instantly contact that person Um you know, so it kind of sounds cliche and maybe kind of weird, but we're trying to create other Lauren and Samantha's in the world through share your story. <laughs> I mean, that's kind it's of you know, just it. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't. I didn't know that's what we were doing. <laughs> I think it's a good idea. Okay, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> that's but but that's kind of the the whole. 
the story of an athlete with a concussion is powerful, but it's even more powerful when someone else shares a same story or a yeah. similar story, I should yeah. say. Definitely. And I think that makes it like less lonely as well, because we're told like, oh, concussions are unique to everyone. However you like experience it. And like, yes, that's true. You know, yeah. all the different symptoms and things whatever. Yeah, they're different, but there's also a lot of similarities. So it's not as isolating as like, Oh, your concussion is way different than mine. Like yeah. when you start hearing people's stories, it's like, well, yeah, they're all a lot of that. like in a lot of ways. So. Yeah. Right. Totally. So actually, well, we're just talking about soccer. So I want to ask you a few questions about soccer. I saw your, I saw you on the front page of your website. There's a picture of, I hope you get this right. Allie Krieger with the, uh, mm -hmm. with the helmet on. With the soft helmet, so I'll ask you about that after. But the uh, in in soccer, what is what is like? How prevalent are concussions? Basically, how prevalent are they? Do you know, or do you have an idea of what you think they would be? How how prevalent they would be? What do you think, Lauren? Well, I mean, statistically, and if we look at research, concussions, especially in women's soccer, is very prevalent. Um, and for whatever reason, the men's men's side and their concussion rates are not quite as high. Um, I don't think we know the entire story of that. What is, you know, a big factor in that. Uh, but if you go back and look at any research articles on how concussions are sustained in soccer, very, 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 very small percent are actually caused by the action of heading the ball. Most of the time it's actually the athlete, um, jumping up for a header or whatever it is. And they're hit in the face by, an opponent's elbow or head, or they fall on the ground and hit their head on the ground. Um, and so there's all these different ways in which the head is actually involved in soccer, but very few are actually from heading the ball. Um, and it sounds weird. And, and it's, unless you're a soccer player and you've gone through kind of the, the club competitive ODP and you know, you've, you've had a career in soccer. ODP? Oh, it's <laughs> Olympic Development Program. I guess okay. it's not even around anymore. But, no, um, it is. Is it? Okay. Maybe not it's, in not Oklahoma, here. But... it's not anymore. It's something different here. But anyway, anyway, you go through the ranks of soccer and you're taught this unique skill of heading the ball. Um, and it, it might sound just odd, but if you do it correctly, which is the forehead, um, not the side of the head, not the top of the head, but right in the forehead, uh, it does not hurt. I mean, <laughs> It doesn't. Yeah. yeah. And if you do yeah. it right, it doesn't hurt. Well, now, if you do it wrong, it, it, yeah, it doesn't feel good. Well, and I think that, you know, Lauren and I are Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Opponents of saying, "Oh, heading has no role like in concussions like at all." Um, I think we're waiting to see the research, and some research says, you know, 30% is due to 30% of concussions are caused by the action of heading, which they're not almost ever talking about head to ball they're talking about the act of going up for a header and what lauren was talking about um but there's also a lot of other ways you can get a concussion in soccer i mean we're sliding a lot we're getting knees to the head when we're sliding where you know we get a ball to the face we you know goalkeepers hit their head on the post i mean there's a lot of different ways that you can get a concussion um and you mentioned ali krieger and lauren and i um you know it may or may not be true that we don't really like headgear, but um, one of the things about it is that for women, our concussion rates are higher, and sometimes um, they're showing that like neck strength may be an issue. And so our concern and what's been proven in research is that um, headgear can actually increase concussions in females, um, especially because it adds weight to the head, um, and the neck is already not strong enough to kind of control our head anyway um, in those like kind of violent collisions that the headgear is actually detrimental and not helpful. Oh, okay. I can, I can honestly say I don't know much about the, the headgear. So is it heavier? Is it like- it's really not that heavy. I mean, in, you know, when you're holding it, right. But yeah. just adding any, any weight, weight to yeah. your neck. Yeah. If it's not, you know, if, if I can't control my head that well and I add even a little bit of weight, yeah. it can cause an issue. Right. Yeah. So I mean, that- and I can actually speak from, I was, a, Sam and I are two totally different types of players. Um, I really prided how I played the game in the air. You know, <laughs> I was always the one in the middle. I was the goal kicks, corner kicks, whatever it was. It was get Lauren the ball and she'll flick it on. I mean, I, of all the teams I played on, for whatever reason, I was not terrified to head the ball because if you do it right, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. Um, but I was known as kind of this warrior in the air. And I can tell you that all but one of my concussions was uh, from not heading the ball. Only one concussion did I sustain by accidentally heading the ball and I wasn't ready for it. And it, it was improper technique. All the other ones were elbows, heads. I've been kicked in the head a few times, uh, you know, elbowed in the face, knocked unconscious. And then I hit the ground, you know, so it, yeah, the heading thing is, is kind of inconclusive. I think it, at this point, but it might be a factor. We just don't know yet. So you don't think we're going to get to the bottom of the soccer concussion story yet? Not not right in this podcast. Not if not if we can't get to the bottom of the NFL and the concussion that's, story. That's true. Actually, <laughs> that's a good good segue. Because my final question is about uh, so in contact sports, what do you think the biggest issue facing contact sports uh, 
concussion wise is and how do you think professional leagues are dealing with it you know these or actually even collegiate even like in civil how are they handling NCAA, NFL, NHL how do you think they're handling concussions or any brain injury for that matter do you think it's as big as they're making it do we think what was the last part of that? Also, like, do you think? Do you think is is are they making it? Are they are they are they doing? I've been saying anything clearly. Are they doing anything? Are they doing a good job with concussions and brain injury in NHL and and B and and the NHL and the BFL and NCAA? Oh yeah, are they doing a good job? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it depends on how you look at it. Um, I, I heard two questions there, kind of like, what's the big, what's the biggest kind yeah. of uh, challenge that yeah. contact sports are facing? And then also how are professional yeah. leagues handling yeah. it? Yeah. Is that right? That's right. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Read um, <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, if it makes you feel better, I summarize what people say for a living because I do therapy. So don't worry. Um, <laughs> she does it with me all the time. <laughs> Sorry, I can't shut it off. Um, so I think for me, uh, one of the biggest things that we're facing right now um, in the sports world was, you know, contact sports, any sport really, um, is the fear mongering around the issue. Um, and I think that there is a balance, right? So not to say I don't want parents to like poo poo concussions. Um, but also jumping on the bandwagon of contact sports are the devil is not helpful. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that we get from sports that we can not get anywhere else in a similar manner. Um, and, really having a healthy respect for what the injury is um, and developing the realization that I'm not going to play sports forever as an athlete, I think um, is really a good way to deal with that. And now there's a lot of resistance around that because how dare you talk about me not being an athlete forever. Um, but I think it's a really big disservice to athletes to not talk about that because at some point, whether it's concussion related or not, you're done playing. And then what do you do with that? Because that's been your identity for so long. Yeah. Um, What's happening now is a lot of athletes who are getting concussions are then identifying with having a concussion. Um, it can kind of perpetuate more issues than maybe would have had it been handled a different way. Not to, I'm not putting blame on the athlete, but just the way that it's handled sometimes can actually exacerbate the situation. Um, in addition to what the mental health issues are that Lauren and I, um, you know, find very important. But Lauren, what do you think about the um, the biggest issue well i mean i think that we're doing a lot of things right better than we did five ten years ago um but we need another five to ten years to actually possibly get all of this down to a perfect science but when it comes to a brain that is individual to each person i don't think the process is going to be perfected at any time um we're doing a lot of things well but I still think we have a long way to go. I mean, just looking at um, how the NFL protocol is. I mean, we have a long ways to go in making sure that that's perfect because they're under the microscope. Um, and it, it doesn't seem to matter if they do something right or wrong. There's The Twitter world seems to jump yeah, on it. And exactly. Everything's kind of a conspiracy. And But I think really we're light years ahead of where we were when Sam and I played. Um, but we still have a long ways to go. And I think the next step is the mental health issues resulting from it and just in general too. I think mental health issues that you, you guys are 
helping people to cope with on your site. That, that's, yeah, I mean, that's part, that's part kind of almost from brain injury stories. Yeah. So mental health, obviously in general, the stigma around that is like, Oh, you know, um, I, I talk to a lot of athletes and, and what I ask is when, when I say mental health, what do you think? And immediately they think mental illness. Yeah. And the problem is that we don't think about mental health as like a positive thing. Like we all have mental health, whether mm. or not, whether it's good, bad, and different, mm. we have it. Um, and we do know from research that if you have depression, anxiety, before you have a concussion, it exacerbates the symptoms following injury and then can perpetuate post-concussion syndrome. And so Lauren and I are of the belief to treat the athlete holistically, um, including the mind and helping them, you know, to understand how they can help themselves because it can kind of turn into a hopeless situation, um, when you get a concussion, but the mental health Stuff. Like there's treatment for that. There's help for that. And the problem is that people are thinking, oh, it's an excuse and different things like that, that I hear. And it's not an excuse. And it's not, not part of your injury. Like anxiety and depression can result from a head injury, not only because of the damage, but also because of the situation and how complicated it gets and how we're like, oh, we're so busy. And then now all of a sudden I'm doing nothing and I'm disconnected from everybody. Um, that's a problem and that yeah. is very controllable. But the problem is the stigma around mental health is so big that people would rather have brain damage than anxiety. Yeah. And then you add into the, the account. I mean, it sounds so easy, but for some reason the, the society, it doesn't connect the two. And I, I don't know if that's the stigma that's attached to it. I don't know. Um, but I mean, you have to think about it. Okay. I have a brain injury. My brain is injured. My brain is my CPU. It is my processor. It does everything for me. You know, it controls my emotions. It controls, you know, what I'm thinking, how I'm going to do things, what I'm going to say, you know, it controls every aspect of what we do. If it's damaged, you know, you're probably going to have some issues in different parts of your brain because it is damaged and it controls everything you do. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not uncommon to have depression or anxiety as a result of a brain injury. If right. it controls your emotions and how you respond to things and it's damaged, you're possibly going to have those. But the difference is we can actually treat those if we can break this stigma and, you know, it's taboo. No, it's a brain injury that, you know, you have has damaged your emotions, it's damaged you psychologically, so let's deal with it, yeah. you know. But. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that some of that too is the, you know, the irritability and stuff that comes with concussion and, you know, just not being able to do what you used to be able to do is frustrating, whether or not it's cause you, you know, broke your leg or have a brain injury, you know, that's, and the, I think the hardest part is that we know a lot more about the brain than we ever have, but we still don't know a lot. The brain is like a black box, right? Like we know certain things, other things we don't, we don't know why some people get a concussion from one hit and others don't. I mean, there's just a lot of things. Um, it used to be believed that, you know, after a year of, you know, a brain injury, severe brain injury, you wouldn't make any progress. Yeah. Now they're finding, well, maybe a year and a half, right? Yeah. So admitting what we know, what we don't know. Um, and I think the concept around resting your brain came from, like, what do we do when we injure a muscle? We rest it, yeah. but the brain isn't a muscle, right? Yeah, so yeah. now we're like, oh, wait, maybe that's not the best way to do that, yeah. which is great. We're researching it, but being okay that there's this level of information that we just don't know the answers to right now. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what? That's okay. I yeah. mean, we may not ever look at, look at the universe and, and science and space. I mean, it, it's kind of a, 
hard to compare the two, but I mean, I just saw something that NASA said they can actually see a star in the distance. It's blinking and they have no idea what it is. So, you know, the brain is ever evolving. Just yeah. like the universe, it's a terrible comparison, but you know what I'm trying to get yeah, at. Not, oh, not, not backwards, actually. The, you know, the brain is the last frontier, and you know, space frontier, and you know, it yeah. connects. <laughs> I got you. That just made me really happy. <laughs> but there are things that we do know, right? So, like, let's focus on the stuff we do know as well, and let's control that stuff that we can control. Like, I don't understand why that's not like the mental health thing. We can, we can help that. There are yeah. coping skills we can help people with. We can get you out of anxiety and depression. There's medication for it. But, like, therapy and skill building is a huge thing. If your life is turned upside down, ask for help, right? Like, you're not you're not able to handle it because you've never dealt with it before. So how are you supposed to feel like, oh, yeah. I should be able to do this? But why? You've never yeah. done this before. Yeah. Right. And you're taking, you know, here's somebody who was an athlete for 15 years, 16 years, uh, boom, your career's over because of a brain injury. So take, and just look at, just think about that. Your brain is injured. Okay. So you're already not feeling like yourself and now you've lost your identity in, you know, span of a week. That's probably not going to be the easiest thing to cope with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not every day is going to come up smelling like roses. Yeah. Um, but we can actually treat that and deal yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, and it's just a matter of telling people, you know what, it, it doesn't have to be that hard if you just go to therapy. Yeah, well, <laughs> if you seek hard. out the resources. It's so hard, but use your resources. It is hard. I'm, it doesn't you know, have to be hard for that long. <laughs> but I think, you know, and that brings up a good thing, like a good point. I remember when I was injured, I had a teammate who actually was diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma around the same time I had my concussions. And the next season she was playing after going through chemo and all these things, she was playing. And her and I had many conversations around my frustration that she was playing and she had cancer and I have this stupid brain injury and I can't do anything. And she, you know, she was so supportive and really like, man, I know that that has to be really frustrating for you. But like my experience has no bearing on your experience. And we had a lot of conversations around that. And it's very different. Obviously it's not cancer, but it's like, I feel like I felt like, well, you're doing it. So I should be able to, and she's like, that is, that makes zero sense. (laughs) I'm like, okay, you're right. It makes zero (laughs) sense. So that's how I was feeling, you know, like, wow, you went through chemo and you're playing and I'm just like, man, my head hurts, you know? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) uh, Thanks so much. This is one of those incredible talk. Great talking to you. This is probably some great points. Do you have anything else you'd like to add or, Comment on about your site or any questions from me or anything or, um, yeah. So anything. I mean, I is think, there? Sorry, go ahead, Lauren. No, I was just gonna say because I know you had asked a question about it, um, and I can't remember if we actually kind of went over it thoroughly. It's something that we're actually very passionate about, Sam and I, and then add kind of. What is our group name? Concussion Connection. Wow, there we go. That was a mouthful. I apologize. Um, is that we're passionate about, you know, talking from a research point of view and a peer-reviewed stance. So a lot of people actually come to us and go, oh, you know, why don't soccer players wear headgear? Okay, well, let me get on my soapbox and tell you why that's, you know, not a good idea. Um, You know, so that's one thing when it comes to headgear we're just very passionate about. We believe in actually peer-reviewed studies on the effectiveness of it. Um, you know, everyone's saying, oh, it reduces the amount of force and, and so on and so forth by up to 85%. Okay. That's great. But there's a different threshold for every human being. 
Um, so I don't know how that that can be effective. If it takes a small bump for you to experience concussion symptoms and it takes a, you know, football player running over me at full speed. Yeah. Um, and I feel nothing, uh, you know, so there's just a lot that we still don't know about headgear that it's still too early to say, does it work? Does it not? Yeah. And I think in general, like we're really passionate about making sure what we say is research driven because we are well aware that our emotions and our experiences are tied to concussions in different ways. And so there may be reactions that we're having or things that we think, but if we don't have data to back it up, we try not to perpetuate that because really anecdotal evidence is not science. That's not Mm -hmm. how it works. We need to have the research. And so, yes, it's helpful to have these stories and share and connect and all those things. But when it comes to treatment prevention and, you know, all that kind of stuff from management like we need to have research that says this is what we do and this is why not oh this worked for me so you should try it that's not really that's not how that works um it's helpful i think to have that support and while you're in the process of figuring it out but systemically the larger picture we need to have that data um to drive what our decision is yeah totally well thanks again thanks so much this is a great talk here's a great guest i guess or conversationalist um, this is we could great... talk all day. Uh... <laughs> we do have this problem about concussions. We're like, mm, 20 minutes, so yeah. three hours. <laughs> no, but this, this has been great. I think people really, really like being really, really be interested in this conversation. So thank you guys so much. Yeah. And, uh, thank you, Nick. Okay, well, I'd like to thank Lauren and Samantha again for a great conversation. Please check out the website at www.concussionconnection.com. Find them on Facebook at Concussion Connection or by searching Concussion Connection. And find them on Twitter at Concussion Connect. There are more Concussion Talk podcasts to come. So thank you for subscribing and thank you so much for listening. Until next time. The music at the beginning of this podcast is by Ben Sound www.bensound.com Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.